You're listening to EDX Education. This podcast series discusses play, being creative, and learning for children. Join Heather Welch sharing knowledge, information, and support on play-based learning. We'll explore the benefits, value, different stages of play, and so much more. Let's play, learn, and create to develop lifelong learners and leaders together. Hello, everyone. It's Heather Welch from EDX Education. And as usual, I'm excited to chat about my favorite topic in which is play, or as we like to say, play-based learning or learning through play at EDX. Over the past two years, we've chatted on this podcast with so many experts on this topic, created amazing resources, experiences, and toys, to say the least. We've looked at the value of play, social and emotional learning, stages of play, and today we're discussing with a special guest, Ioni Innes, founder of Send Tutoring. We're going to chat about play and children with additional needs. Morning, Ioni, on this very crisp winter's day. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on your podcast. That's absolutely fine. Look, can I ask you to introduce yourself and just explain to our listeners a little bit about your journey in being a specialist teacher in SEN? Sure, absolutely. Um, So I trained to be a teacher in my mid-30s, having done um, degrees in child development um, and child protection from about the age of 29. So I went to university later than everyone else, um, having cooked before that. So a bit, a bit of a winding road. And I've fallen into kind of working with SEND kids in a way that I hadn't anticipated prior to doing the, when I started the training. Um, I'm dyslexic myself um, and I had a lot of help, um, interventional support when I was at school. And I also went to Montessori school from two and a half to eight years old, which I really enjoyed. And then I kind of since afterwards went to kind of mainstream private schools thereafter. So I trained to become a teacher at age 35 and I had in my class, so I did it for two years in a, as a year four teacher. And in my second year of teaching, which turned out to be my last year of teaching, um, and obviously COVID happened kind of halfway through, I had about seven or eight kids, one who was non, non-verbal, autistic, um, and then an additional amount of um, other children in my class that I just knew from the word go that I just wouldn't be able to reach. It was all very well to kind of talk to their parents um, about them um, and kind of suggest strategies. But in terms of me doing anything practical or um, other than telling the parents to kind of contact the Senko at the school, um, I felt at a, at a real loss of how to kind of reach the rest of them. Um, and it's really important to me, obviously, I think anyone who is a teacher who has a kind of vocation, that you do, you treat all of the children the same, but also that you get them to fly in a way that you want to get them to fly but in a class of 30 and with one teacher particularly with kind of quite adverse needs it's very difficult to kind of make that happen and then anyway at the time of I think when I started that year with that class I knew that I wanted to leave and do a dyslexic and specific learning difficulties course at Fairley House in London which is a year's course. Um, it's in effect a bit like a master's. It's quite intense. You have to kind of work with two different children, one who presents with a literacy difficulty and then the other with a numeracy di- difficulty. I started that at the end of my two-year tenure at the school that I worked at. Um, and then I was doing a lot of work for a different company who who also does um, send tuition 
and I found that I really, really enjoyed it. So this is the inspiration for starting Send Tutoring as well. I suppose that you saw yes. one a need and your lack of resources, it sounds like, that you found, you know, quite frustrating within your own experience. Totally. So I've, I've now kind of worked with a multitude of primarily autistic and then um, dyslexic children who all have kind of varying other comorbidities in terms of that their profile is not just dyslexia alone. They have traits of ADHD or ADD or a kind of surplus of other SEND issues. Um, but a, lo- a lot of the time parents ask me if I know an ed psych or I know a dyslexic assessor or I know an occupational therapist. And it just then seemed natural to segue, kind of come up with a company which would um, connect all of those individuals together. So send, send Tutoring is a platform of different teachers who all have... Um, who are highly experienced in the in the world of SEND, who either have kind of massive major qualifications or they have lots of experience or both, which is obviously the ideal. Um, and then SEND specialists who are dyslexic assessors primarily at the moment. Um, and then also anyone who has a kind of a, a specialism in, in the area of SEND, they are a SEND specialist on the SEND tutoring platform. Instead of working with a whole lot of individuals everywhere, so parents could actually aggregated and have everyone sort of the community working much closer together in a smaller space. Absolutely. And I think the premise, although it hasn't kind of morphed in the way that I anticipated, I I think um, perhaps anyone who sets up a company and you would know this firsthand, you you have something kind of in mind and then it doesn't kind of perhaps go in the way that you anticipate (laughs) going. (laughs) Definitely. Um, (laughs) Right. Um, So I, I certainly had in my mind that the professionals would all kind of feed into each other and that would kind of filter down to the to the cheetah. But actually everyone's really highly skilled and you know have, have very kind of strong expertise in different areas. That actually the the specialists themselves, so the occupational therapists or the um dyslexic assessors, are there for a in a kind of consultancy capacity for parents. So that parents kind of kind of can say, I've got an EHCP and they keep on talking about I don't know, the dyslexia side of things. And so what do you think about these recommendations or what do you think about how I kind of progress and take this forward? And so that person is then being used as a... A consultant on how to move Yeah, forward. I kind of go to, and then the tutor is is then separate. So it, it's kind of definitely, it's it's changed what I, I didn't anticipate it perhaps being in the way that it is, um, but that's kind of, at the moment, that's how it's kind of... But you never know. With anything else that happens, we all have to be agile. Like things change so quickly. None of us expected. You know, I think that was one of the things that really came out and that SEND children really suffered when it um, came to COVID and schools closing and stuff like that. So there wasn't a lot there for the children. So, I mean, this is one of the things to look at as well. But, you know, at EDX Education, we look at play and that's one of our really important things. The same thing I want to chat with you today about as well. And it's, you know, I suppose my question to you is why is play important for children with sin? Play for any child is important. I think structured play, I, I think there are two types of play. So there's a, there's a kind of play where you um, meet at the park with your friends and you kind of just, you have fun times or you're put into a room and um, there are lots of things to kind of um, look at and interact with, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then I think structured play for any child and for all children is really important in terms of there being an objective in mind. So very often, for instance, like a Montessori um, classroom, that which is filled with kind of different resources for different subjects, all of those resources are geared 
towards an objective in their own right. But I think for any child who is particular, so particularly for some children who find it perhaps difficult to um, navigate the world around the world, them, really. or even to communicate like we're central exactly. depends on what it is it might be a verbal communication it's a way they can under- make sense i suppose of the world and the world around them totally and so you're filling with confidence they're looking at you for social cues which is then kind of easy to do in terms of a, a two-way experience and i think there are so many different resources out there it's it's a kind of trying to find what the what the child responds well to um for instance i think in in every lesson that i um kind of carry out with with the kids that i um teach at the moment i have things like magnetic sand or play-doh and that really helps a, l- a lot of the time with kind of um just regulation and um being being able to be rooted to into the into the situation and then i can start to kind of introduce other things that we're going to be doing within the lesson um and i think also into kind of turn taking social distancing um not in a kind of covid capacity but (laughs) yeah we all sort of have that (laughs) we all come back to covid when you talk about social distancing absolutely but in terms of kind of knowing what how close is too close or kind of how how far apart um one needs to be and that and that that's very easy then to kind of carry out if you use teddies or you use puppets or you'd use kind of a whole host of different objects which are which are kind of general everyday kind of toys which can be manipulated in a way that you for the objective of whatever it is that you're trying to achieve with that child you can use those everyday objects to kind of get from a to b i would just say also that with any and this is obviously kind of a massive generalization generalization but with every with all of the different kind of sun children, you need you need an A B C plan A B C, and then potentially you need a E F G H I. You, you need lots of different things that you potentially are trying to get across the specific objective, um, because one day they might be interested in it, and then the second day not, or the first couple of minutes they might be, and then it kind of falls by the wayside. So just having lots of different things which are all manipulative um and and things like the putty are really good just because it's it changes it changes its form yeah. that's always kind of that can potentially lead to a very kind of exciting um conversation about the knock on effect of change um forces that could lead to a kind of conversation about volcanoes and so that you, it kind of the conversation is then goes goes in a certain direction or not do you find that you use more like hands-on materials then, or do you use more digital play? It depends on the child, depends on the communication levels or anything like that. But how do you start with your sessions? What do you fi- find that's more effective, depending on age group, I suppose, as well? Depending on age group, yeah. Knowing how I operate, and I definitely kind of use my own experience. But generally, I would say, yeah, manipulatives, What hands-on. Kids are kind of excited I teach one kid who who always wants to open my bag and always wants to kind of see what's inside and then <laughs> you know, gets involved with whatever it is that he finds first. And then he'll kind of continue to look into the bag. So we kind of then play a memory game. If someone was to look in my bag, they might find my children's leftover wrappers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it'd be the best place to go. <laughs> but you never know, you know, but it is a good, it's a good way to actually get them involved and then to turn it into a game. Absolutely. Or you could talk about recipes or you could talk about, I don't know, 
What's no. good to eat? What's good not to eat? Kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, or everything in turn. What do you, what's the role of a caregiver? You know, as a, as a parent, and I know this with, you know, sometimes it is hard to get involved in your child's play or, you know, you don't really know where to start. And so do you have any tips for caregivers about what their role is in play? Caregivers meaning parents. Right, parents. Anybody yeah. who, I say yeah. We say caregivers because sometimes it's they're, they're foster parents, sometimes they're parents, okay. sometimes yeah. mum and dad, sometimes mum and mum. You know, I mean, there's so many different politically correct ways these days it might be the yeah, teacher. No, sure. So we just say caregivers generally. Okay. Well, I would say that... First off, if you're if the child is playing with something which you perhaps don't find particularly um, exciting or you don't really know what to do with it, um, introducing some kind of role play, so it, kind of changing it so that it, it then is can involve you. I don't know something where a child is kind of pushing a, a toy train across the floor at, kind of repeatedly is perhaps then you feel like you can't kind of get involved too. But questions. Um, I think always help using vocabulary that the child can kind of join in with. Obviously, age appropriate. Is it going into the tunnel? Is it coming out of the tunnel? Which way is it going to go? What's ahead? Is there an obstacle? And then kind of getting household objects around that can become the obstacles or can become a kind of container for the the toy to go to sleep. Um, I think you obviously just try and and lead from the, from the child. Um, but I do think it's. Verbal communication obviously can be really extended when you do play um, and engage your child. And and for the most part, children love playing with their caregivers because they love to see them smile and react and to make them laugh and to make them happy. All of those things are clearly very precious. Um, but certainly with, with SEN children, I would say that it's exceptionally stimulating. And particularly if your child is non-verbal, so that therefore it's quite difficult to know um, what it is that you're doing right or wrong or that you perhaps feel that you kind of you can't access them in a way that that you would like to something like shared play is lovely because you're getting kind of a lot of social cues from them and they're also kind of in a reciprocal way from you such a nice memory and such a nice bonding way as well with children isn't it if you don't always feel like you know you're getting a lot back from them when you're giving sometimes is absolutely that, is, but it also takes the pressure off though, in terms of it's not there's no right or wrong, which often children yeah, you know, that, travel through school. There's the that that very kind of specific thing of like, if I do this, is it the right thing? Is this the wrong thing? You know, and they don't want to do it, do the wrong thing. So I think with shared play, there's another level level of like, you see your parent perhaps cooking or always doing something on the phone. Yeah, or- it's such a lovely way to look at it too. That there is no wrong or right. It's like that open ended play where children there's endless possibilities, and that's what life is. There are endless possibilities that we're all navigating through every day, apart from like account balances and stuff like that. <laughs> Maybe not so endless possibilities, but we'll see. <laughs> Bank balances. Um, Ioni, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And one of the big things is that some listeners, listeners might want to get in touch. They might want to get in touch with Send Tutoring. What's the best way to get in touch with you? So either through my website, which is www.sendtutoring.co.uk or my email address, um, which is Ioni, I-O-N-E, Ines, I-N-N-E-S-S, at sendtutoring.co.uk. Either one would be fabulous. Thank you so much, Ioni. We super appreciate it. And it's really nice to hear about, you know, inspiration of Zen tutoring and your journey to come and how you got there yourself. And it's like relating to the children and being able to move forward with 
children we send, making sure that everyone has an equal education. I think that's one of the and equal resources for everyone that are available, which I think is really important. So much, so much. Yeah, I wish there was. It was possible to kind of give a whole lot more. And I and I, I but I hope that the conversation, which is kind of currently being had in um, the kind of public um, domain, that that potentially some children will kind of benefit and the parents will benefit in a way that will actually make a difference to their to their lives. There are so many exciting developments happening right now in education. EDX Education would love to hear from you, so do get in touch or subscribe to our podcast, which is available on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, and so many more. This podcast series is brought to you by Heather Welch from EDX Education, as she'd like to say, let's create lifelong learners.